that's so important. And that's why when we're talking words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and the prophetic stuff, every one of you be praying before you come to church on Sunday. This is your practice ground. But every one of you, before you have coffee, before you go to Thanksgiving, be praying for every person you can imagine being there. Because you can imagine during Thanksgiving that you're, you can imagine the people that are going to be there and how annoyed you're going to be, right? You can use your imagination to think, oh, they're going to talk politics. There's going to be an argument about this. We can use our imagination towards that. But why not use our imagination towards what God wants to speak through you? It's, that's the proper use of our imagination. Imagining things in a negative way is the wrong use of our imagination. God has no imagination towards you that's negative. He doesn't imagine that you're going to sin, even though he knows he uses all of his imagination to imagine you being brilliant, to imagine you being the best you that you can ever be. All right, so I did that. I got back up. The second thing I had in my notes, I literally had just number one, number two, was be willing to weep, be willing to cry. <laughs> so I got up there, and I, I continued to cry for a bit, and I said the second thing in my notes is to be willing to cry. So I'm like, I'm done. But it was really well received. And what happened is, and when I walked through the doors at the church, and I'm very familiar with Greenspoint. I lived there for 22 years. Went to church down in Aldine by MacArthur High School, Sam Houston. I was a youth pastor with those kids. Cresha graduated from Aldine High School, and she got a giant cheer. So Cresha kind of went to the same junior high and high school as a lot of those people there. So that was neat. And uh, But the second thing I did, before, I, the third thing I did was, when I'd walk through the doors, I felt like the Lord say, I want you to declare these things in north, the south, east, and the west. So I asked everybody to trust me, under 100 people. And I asked them just to, I said, I want 100% of you to stand up. 100% stood up and just got on the microphone and just for about 10 or 15 minutes, just prayed for that community, prayed for that church, and just declared things over them. So I just want to encourage you that if less can get a prophetic word, anybody can get a prophetic word. All right? If less can find favor with people that are different than him, than any, you can find favor with everybody. Because the closer I am to him, the more I'm hearing him, the more favor I have everywhere. Will there be people that oppose you? Yes, there will. But your favor will go deeper and deeper and more and more with people. So then Monday, Jim and I flew into Sacramento. We drove to Reading where Bethel is. And I just want to like do a... Do a if you don't have vacation plans this year in 2020, go to Bethel. doesn't have to be for a conference. California, you can fly to San Francisco. You can see the Redwoods. You see the Golden Gate Bridge. You can go into Lake Tahoe. like two and a half hours away. South of Sacramento, you're two hours away from Yosemite. You can do a nice trip in there. You can go to a Friday night service, a Saturday healing room, and a Sunday church service. And you can be participating in some of those things. And so what we have is God's doing around the world is creating some apostolic centers. And Bethel is one of those apostolic centers. It's in a really not great California town. It's in a town of 100,000 that nobody thinks about when you go to California, unless you're driving to Oregon or Washington. <laughs> you know, that's, it's, on the, it's on the side of the freeway. It's up north. The church is about 11,000 people in that community. And it, but their music... And their teaching is going all over the world. There's probably 50 people from Taiwan and China. There's probably 40 or 50 people from Russia. There's 47, 45 states represented and so almost 40 countries represented in the conference. And so there's something happening. And if you want an upgrade and you want to participate in something uh, that will, will be different, 
It's a great place to go. They got great training, lots of good stuff. But it's a great place to go, great place to vacation, stuff like that. All right. So it's been big. It's been big for me the last three years. And I, I had known about Bethel for years, but I was Bethel resistant. I hesitated because I don't need to go. This is what might be running through your mind. I don't need to go somewhere to experience God, which is so true. But then it's not true also. All right. Because nobody would ever have to go to anybody for prayer if you didn't need anybody. But we do have places and spaces where there are things going on that are um, different, that are more vibrant, that we can actually pull from and drink from that fountain. So at the same time, I don't want to have to go to Bethel to experience God. I want to experience him right here. Okay? So that's, that's really what we're about for this region coming into this next year is the healing, the signs and wonders. And you know, we're seeing a little bit of some of those things. Herman's seen an increase in that. And we're praying for more, more, more. Okay? And their guy, Chris Gore, has a great book on healing. He, uh, he's like their supernatural act guy, their signs and wonders guy. I got to have some lunch with him on Tuesday. Tuesday, I'm part of the Bethel Leader Network, so we had a, like a network meeting on Tuesday, like all day. And then Wednesday, by the time the service started Wednesday night, I was sick. So I was sick. I only went to, they had Wednesday night service, then all day Thursday, then all day Friday. The only thing I went to, except for my leaders, the the network meeting for all day, one day, was Friday night. And I actually went Friday night, and I'm not going to sing and I'm not going to shout. Because my voice was still, I I had a real bad upper respiratory problems. But then the speaker got up. And he was so funny. I laughed the whole way through. I almost ruined my throat again. So, so, uh, but I asked this guy that's pursuing miracles. He goes all over the world and has healing, uh, raises up healing belief and stuff like that. I asked him, you know, what's, what's, I told him some of the things we're doing. And this is basically said just more of that, more praying for healing. So it becomes really normal. If, if you have to pray for a thousand people before you see healing increase, and that's part of their story. In fact, Friday night, their whole, the whole message was all the things Bethel has done wrong, all the ways they've missed it, everything. And they had some hilarious stories that one of the lead pastors shared. And he's been with the pastor, Bill, for like 40 years now. And so we're not looking for any perfection. So if you have any word of wisdom, word of knowledge, share it. Text it to me, text it to somebody. If you don't want to give it to somebody, give it to me and I'll help you deliver it. If, and I'll help you discern if it's the right word, okay? So just be out there, be willing to do that. And so going into 2020, we're still pursuing the, the humble oil, the healing, signs and wonders, the supernatural. And so that's why, you know, we've started before worship, we've prayed for people. And we've done that at different times. We're going to keep doing that so it becomes normalized for us, okay? It's a normalization. So when you get sick, when somebody says, I am sick, this is what we first do. We say, have you tried echinacea? Have you tried vitamin C? Are you getting rest? We give them advice from our experience or from what we read instead of giving them advice from the kingdom of heaven, of praying for them. Yes, take all of those things, but pray, 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 and keep praying your whole time through, okay? Being sick. All right, so I'm going to be in a couple different verses, but mostly Psalms. I'm going to start with Psalms 150, verse 6. How many of you would like to have more physical energy? Not all of you. The young people don't care. More physical energy. How many of you would like to be like, like, like mature and change and learn, learn new things quicker in life? 
You know, literally when we get older, it's harder for us to learn. It's hard. It is harder for us to change. We can teach old dog new tricks. That's one of my goals in life turning when I hit my mid forties is to be the guy that could keep learning new things and keep growing in Christ and not settle on my first part of my life for my second part of my life. I want to be one of those dogs you can teach new tricks and I want to have more physical energy a, 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 a lot of physical energy, and I want to learn quicker. I want to hear things quicker and to be able to have it transform my life quicker instead of having a bunch of barriers that keep me from learning. And a lot of the barriers that keep us from learning as we get older is our experiences in the past. Whatever worked yesterday might not work today. It might not be for tomorrow. So we're always wanting that. And, and what, what, what advanced gratitude does, not just being thankful... It's polite to say, God, thank you for this food that I have in front of me. But that's not very powerful. What's really powerful is when you have no food in front of you and you start thanking God for all the food he's given you and is going to give you. That's the power. Now, we want gratitude. We want to say, thank you, God, that we live where we live. Thank you, God, that you've given me good health. All of those things are good, but those can be just polite things. Even a non-believer has that idea, right? To, to be thankful. Oh, you gave me something. Thank you for giving me something. But what about if you started thanking God in advance for your enemy? God, thank you that my enemy is going to be blessed. That my enemy, through the way I treat him, the way I respond to him or her, they're going to be blessed by, by hating me. Because, my, because I am so powerful and I'm going to stand in such a right place that they're going to be blessed. Thank you in advance for them being blessed. And whatever they have to give me through them attacking me. And, and, and that, that's of you, that's being used of you, I will take that. And I'm going to thank you in advance that you're doing some great work in my life by having that idiot treat me like he is. Isn't that powerful? That's, that's gratitude in advance. God, thank you for the job I have now, but thank you for the mo- job to come. It's both. It's not just, oh, this is my lot in life, or I hate this and I want something more. We want to be thankful in advance. And so... And it will increase your spiritual image energy and it will stimulate your growth as a Christian if you can be thankful in advance. Because you're deciding, I will not feel my way or I will not think my way as to what is right, but I will follow the spirit with my spirit and I will force my mind, my emotions, and my mouth to line up with what the spirit is saying. All right? So we think that, that's a super powerful thing. That you don't need anything else in your life. You don't need to read a different book. You don't need to listen to anything else. You don't need to read more, pray more. But if you'll just learn how to be thankful in advance. Grateful in advance for all that God wants to do. All right, so Psalm 150, verse 6. It's going to be familiar to most of you. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Now, if we're going to put hallelujah, that the word there is let everything that hath breath, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's what it is. That everything that hath breath, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay? So let everything that hath breath, hallelujah, hallelujah. Or let everything that has breath pray, hallelujah, the Lord, comma, hallelujah, the Lord. All right. So that word hallelujah, when you're standing, I want you to get a different picture. When you're singing hallelujah, if it's just a religious word, it's not much, is it? But it's actually hallelujah is, is, is a, has a multiple definitions. And we'll talk about one. But one of them is, is that we're saying God is Savior, praise the Lord in advance of anything happening. I'm still, I'm still in the middle of the storm. I'm still in the belly of the well. I'm still being burnt at the stake, but I'm singing hallelujah. 
All right. And so we have that picture for hallelujah. Let everything that have breath. Now ask your neighbor, do you have breath? Some of you are like, woo, yeah, you do. Somebody needs a mint. Just kidding. So this word praise here is, is Hebrews, uh, uh, in strong Hebrews is number 1984. It means to shine is the main definition, to shine. I'm going to give you some of, the, some of the other definitions that go around this word, hallelujah, to shine, okay? And it's not just to shine, but it's to flash forth light. So when there's darkness there and you're like, and you raise a hallelujah, you're shining forth, you're flashing forth some light. You're, you're, you're acting, you're declaring against darkness just by shouting hallelujah. But if you're just shouting hallelujah as a religious word, there's nothing connected to it. But we connect hallelujah with, with shining light on the goodness of the Lord. With shining light, we're raising our head, we're shouting hallelujah, we're flashing forth light. It means to praise or to boast about the Lord. So we want to hallelujah, we want to boast about him. We want to boast about him, about his mighty works that he's done, what he's doing, and what we're confident that he's going to do. The problem is most of us give ourselves credit for what we've done well. We give the enemy credit for what has gone bad. And then we don't give God credit much at all. Until somebody corrects us. But we give God, we give, begin to give God credit. But when we begin to give him credit for what's in front of us and what's to come, then it's a lot more powerful. It means that if you're a hallelujah-er, if you're a person who hallelujahs, then you're one who's boasting. But you're not boasting of yourself, are you? You're boasting of the Lord. It's a good time to be, um, to be boastful. We're glorifying God. We're making a boast when we sing hallelujah. In the presence of my enemy, I'm going to sing hallelujah. I'm going to sing hallelujah. I'm going to do something. The enemy's wanting me to bow my mind or my knee to him, right? Circumstances want me to bow myself to the circumstances. If the circumstance comes my way and I get weighted down, I bow down to it and I talk about the circumstance. I boast about the circumstance. I have cancer. I have, I'm getting divorced. The world's going bad. Russia's doing this. China's doing this. The economy's going bad. I begin to boast and shine light upon the works of the enemy instead of upon God. Okay? So, if you're a hallelujah-er also, you're going to make a fool of yourself. You're going to make a fool of yourself if you sing hallelujah in the presence of your enemies. Now, imagine that. You're with a bunch of people. You're with 50 people. You've been fighting together. You're surrounded on all sides by thousands. There's only 50 of you. Everybody's got their sword drawn, their shield out, and you're in there singing a hallelujah. That's foolish. That's simplicity. That's being a simpleton. It actually goes into not just acting foolish, but acting like a madman. To act madly is to sing hallelujah in the presence of your enemies. Because only a crazy person would do that, right? Because you would fight to your last breath to defeat the enemy. And God is saying over and over in scripture is you're more than a conqueror. Don't waste your energy fighting like you've always fight before. I'm going to use the, not the scripture, but the, the, the lyrics, sing a hallelujah, praise my name, raise it up, raise it up. But we like to say, hey, I'm going to fight over here. And I did all these things, but God didn't do anything. But he never told you to fight that way. There are some things you fight. There are some things you do. But the, the foolish thing is always enter into his presence. Step into another realm and do your battle in that. Do your battle in that realm. And it almost always includes 
praise and worship and singing a hallelujah. Is there a better way to shine your light for the Lord than to sing a hallelujah? Is there anything more opposite than the culture of the world to thank God in advance for what you can't yet see? There's nothing better than that, I don't think. There's nothing better than that. Because you're saying, I trust you. You're such a good friend. I know you so well. I understand your, so, well, your love so much. I understand your resources and your provisions so much that I will have no worry about tomorrow. Zero. I learned some of that at a church we were at that a thousand people were there. And then in one week, 850 people left. I learned how to be thankful for something that was coming. I put my, my I literally signed a piece of paper that said I'd be responsible for $3.2 million of debt and a couple, about another $500,000 of debt across the whole board. All right. And so, so you learn in advance. There's nothing I could do intellectually. There's nothing I couldn't work. I mean, I worked really hard. I mean, I, I, we bought a lawnmower and mowed the field, and we did start doing the yard ourselves. And I cleaned every toilet there for a long time, you know. But those types of things. But that's that's the work I had to do. But the battle was over here, someplace else, taking place. And you know what? So that whole debt was paid off when we sold the church to to the Houston Worship Center. That's there now. They just celebrate, I think, their eleventh year there. And we, the last person we owed, we had like I think seven or eight Excel spreadsheets of pages that we owed people. From Civic Club dues for Century Plaza, the last person we owed was like the yard company that hadn't been paid in seven years. It was only like $750. It's the last, because we took all, we took the money and we paid every, we went down there and paid every bill. And we'd already been paying the bills as much as we could for as small as we were. But we took that money and we paid all of those bills. And the guy who lost his job when the church fell apart, he stayed for almost minimum wage and did all of our bookkeeping. He wasn't into us staying, but he was into like, this is crazy. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I want to see what's going on. And you know what? He begged me, can I take that check and give it to this company? And you know what? The king went in and he gave it to the company. The company's like, we don't have any record of y'all. He's like, trust me, we want to give this to you. We want to pay off. Because there's something way bigger than me. There's something way bigger than you. There's something always going on. For your behalf, for your behalf, for your behalf. God is always doing something good on your behalf. And what, what happens is if you don't have gratitude, you're focusing on what God's not doing. You're focusing on what somebody's doing to you. You're focusing on the resources that you have. It's a, it's a pitiful thing if as Christians we walk only in the resources we have. We have unlimited resources, unlimited joy, unlimited peace, unlimited strength, unlimited provision... To do what God's asked us to do. And we can tap into that by strengthening our belief and by praising in advance, being grateful in advance. So turn to First Thessalonians 5.18. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this just for a few minutes. I'm gonna go to uh, three reasons we can be grateful all the time. So why, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this word hallelujah doesn't fit, like, all exactly here, but give hallelujah in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, 
all circumstances, every circumstance, everything, in the middle of that, in the middle of the fire, give hallelujah, give thanks, give praise to him. Okay, so think about this. How, does, how did, you know, when, when, when these guys were take, being taken into the uh, lion's den uh, in the biblical stories, and then later on during uh, Roman rule, after Jesus, they're being crucified for about 200 years, and they're being you know, fed to lions. And then later on, you have a history of the Protestant Reformation right before that of people being burnt at the stake. People that were learning something new about God, learning new about Scripture. So here you have somebody. They've got a bunch of, I mean, it's like this whole thing is all wood. They're built up on a platform of wood. They're tied up. And it's a whole spectacle. So you have the whole town coming, some of them bringing lunches. That's what we used to do when we hung people here in the United States. It was a big deal. They, people, would, people would travel a whole day in and spend the night, camp around town and watch somebody being hung. It was a big deal. It was the same when they were, when they were burnt at the stake. And they, they're there with zero fear, zero, no fear. They're forgiving everybody. They're, they're giving thanks and praise in that circumstance. And some of them, it is said, feel zero pain. They go to their death singing hallelujah. They go to death because what they do, they've transported themselves through their praise into another realm. That's what worship does, doesn't it? We went to his presence and we enter with, with worship. Right? We, we get closer and closer. There's something there. But, you know, we can barely stand somebody disliking us or something bad happening at work. And we don't even hardly believe that God exists. God hates me. God got a flat tire. I don't have enough money. So we, when we learn to praise him in all things, things will begin to change. So give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, does God just want to make it hard on you? Is God saying give thanks in all things when you're being burnt to the stake? Just to annoy you, just to prove to you that you can't do it? Or does God know something about you that he's not demanding something from you? He's just saying this is who you really are. And when you do this, you'll become who you were called to be. This is your design. When God says be holy like I am holy, he's saying be who I called you to be. When he's saying love your neighbor and, or love your enemy, he's saying it's impossible except that you're my kid, which makes it possible. So do the thing that was impossible until you start being into it. When you step into it, you begin to act and be and do what is impossible. So when it comes to Thanksgiving, he knows where you're at. He created you. He knows what you're doing. He knows what your mind is doing. He knows what your emotions are doing. And he knows the best way to kick you out of that is for you to choose to hallelujah. It's the best way. He knows that. Netflix isn't the best way, although Netflix helps. Heroin isn't the best way, although heroin helps. Drinking a lot isn't the best way, although it helps. Fighting somebody helps. It helps you feel better when you fight somebody, right? It helps you feel better when you rage at somebody. It helps you feel better when you get all depressed and you have a pity party. It helps you feel better because it's soothing your mind. Just like heroin will soothe your mind. It'll help you forget some stuff. It'll, help the, it'll take the edge off of what's going on in your life, of what's surrounding you, but it doesn't change your circumstances. You still have problems when you wake up from being drunk all weekend. You still have problems when you've been to watch everything for Friday night and you wake up Monday morning. You still have problems. It didn't help anything. In fact, it probably deepened some of the problems because you start clearing off those voices. You take the edge off those voices.
but they're still rumbling there all the time, making decisions for you, and you don't even know it. But when you begin to sing a hallelujah, the light shines. As you start shining, the light starts shining. As you start hallelujahing, as you start reflecting, you start that, something changes. It's a really super powerful thing. In, in giving thanks in all things, you have to be confident I have to be confident that God is doing something in all things. We don't believe that God is doing something in all things. Half the United States of America, half the Christians in the United States of America did not think God was doing something good when Obama was president. And half did. Now that Trump's president, half the Christians in America don't think that God's doing something in Trump being president. And half of them do. Who's right? They're both wrong. God's always doing something for you. Tap yourself on the chest. God's always doing something for me. My husband's... A, I was going to say... I was going to say my husband's a big fat turd, but I probably shouldn't say that in church. My husband's horrible. My wife is horrible. My kids are horrible. My life is horrible. I've made too many mistakes. I made a mistake in how I put this on today. I thought I was being clever. And we, 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 begin, we begin to de- declare those things. We begin to talk about those things. But, but there's a solution on its way. And a lot of times it's our enemy that's God's tool to shape us. It's our enemy. It's the very thing we've been fighting tooth and nail against. And we're actually praying against some of God's tools that he's using for our benefit. We're saying, God, get me out of this job. God, have my spouse stop doing this. The very thing they're doing is revealing our woundedness, our sin in us, our doubt in us. And it's the very thing God wants us to, instead of stop praying for this person to change, is show me, God, what you're doing. All right. Three reasons. Hebrews twelve twenty eight. We always have reason to be grateful. God is always doing something. Hebrews twelve twenty eight. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Look at your neighbor and say, I am receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Say it like you mean it. If you're like, if you were like, man, I am receiving the keys to the city of Houston. Everything in Houston is mine. Yeah. There's a $22 million home and memorial I get to live in. Yeah. I get to belong to the Houston club. Yeah. I get to go. I get, I get the prime seats at the Texans and the Astros and everybody. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Say it like you mean it. Come on. Woo. But we don't believe it. We don't. We just don't believe it. We need to believe harder. We need to take these things and go, show me everywhere I'm not believing. When the enemy's shaking me, when I, when I feel like the enemy's kingdom is winning, where am I not seeing, where am I not practicing receiving a kingdom? It's on its way. It's not waiting till I die. It's not waiting till Jesus comes down and reigns. When he reigns in our heart, we're receiving a kingdom. It begins to manifest around us, okay? We're in the process of receiving that kingdom now, No matter how poor, weak, sick, sinful, or stupid you are, 
If you're, if you're a child of the king, you are receiving the kingdom. And when we realize and we believe I'm receiving the kingdom, we get less stupid, less sick, less poor, less mean. I don't mean less like me, poor, or me mean, or me stupid. That's a, that's, a, that's a name joke. So, so this, this, this is, I'm going to reread Hebrews 12, 28. In, when we're thinking about this, I'm receiving that word. I'm, I, I am assuming or learning how to assume a position in the kingdom. I'm learning. I'm receiving. I'm learning how to assume or to take over a place in the kingdom. What place in the kingdom in your own life are you not taking over? Jesus is Lord. Are you are you being are you being his, his good son or daughter in, in, with your own life, with your own physical body, with your own talent, with your own money, with your own time, with your relationships? You have to ask that. We're receiving this kingdom. We're receiving. I'm assuming an office in the kingdom of heaven here on earth, and I'm learning to receive that kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's immovable. It's going to happen. We get to decide how it will happen around us and when it will happen in a lot of ways. Let us be thankful. Let us have gratitude in advance, even when it looks like there is no kingdom. And I'm going to go back to Obama and then Trump, half and half of Christians. With Obama, people are declaring the end of Christianity or the beginning of real Christianity. With Trump, they're declaring what? They're not declaring the kingdom of God. They're declaring the kingdom that they see. We don't. The kingdom that we have is not done in our politics. It's done in the government of heaven. The government of heaven is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's family. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that connection I have government to heaven makes me more familiar with everybody who's receiving that kingdom regardless of who they vote for, regardless of what language they speak, regardless of what the color of their skin is, that I had that kingdom brings me into alignment with so many other things. Here's a second reason we can be thankful. Second Corinthians 9.15. You, you don't have to turn there. It's just real simple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We have an indescribable gift. We have salvation. We have him. We've been invited into the family. We're fully adopted. You're not waiting for anything else. There's nothing else for you to wait for. There's no other thing for you to wait for before you start evangelizing, before you start praying for healing, before you start ministering and being a pastor, being a leader. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at, you're leading that table. You're leading that coffee conversation because you're, you're connected to this kingdom here. It says, not my will, but thine be done. Let your kingdom come, your government come, your will be done. Not mine, but you right here in front of me. At your home, in your marriage, everywhere you're at. It's never true. <clears throat> it's always a lie when you think or you feel like you have nothing to be thankful. That's a lie. It's a lie. And that lie will lead you down wrong paths. That lie will lead you down to a victimized mentality. It'll lead you down to a, I'm not much, I'm a worm. I'm this, I'm that, I have nothing to give. I'm waiting on God to change something for me when God's already given you that indescribable gift. And here's the third reason. In 1 Chronicles 16, 34, and this is like throughout the Psalms and throughout scriptures in different ways. 1 Chronicles 16, 34 in the NIV says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. You can take it, he is good or his love endures forever. 
So is he good because he, Jesus died for us 2,000 years ago, and then when the world's over, he's going to be good, but he stopped being good for 2,000 years? Is he good to those that are really good people that pray a lot, that don't drink or smoke or chew tobacco or watch rated R movies or go to pool halls? Because we fought that for a lot of years. He's only good if you're moral, but he's good if you're his kid. Look at your neighbor and say, I am God's favored child. Did you say that to anybody, Victoria? I am God's favored child. We've got to remember that stuff. I am God's favored child. That means there's inheritance for me to have right now. Right now, there's something for you to partake of, of the goodness of God right now. And it's feasting in the presence of your enemy. There's something to eat good, to partake of, to consume, to be filled with in the presence of your enemy. We've taught, organize your life so there's no bad people around you. And then you'll be okay. Yet Christians struggle with depression, suicide, anger, bitterness, anxiety, equally as everybody else. Although as Christians... We try not to sin. We keep our lives pretty clean. It doesn't work. That is not God's way. God's way is to believe in him. You always have something to be grateful for and that he is good. His love endures forever. Something that changed for me is this whole idea of God is good. It always bothered me. Remember when Lakewood, the guy down there, um, wrote the song, I'm a friend of God. What was his name? Israel. I hated that song. I hated that song. I'm, I can't be a friend of God. I'm a servant. Right? It's a, it, it, I had an old paradigm that I was raised with. And, I could, and it, it took me a couple of years to get over that. But once you realize that God is good, it's like God is good and God is being good to me right now. I'm in a job I don't like or I'm not getting any favor, but God is giving me favor. I don't have to wait for a man to give me favor. I start believing that God's giving me favor He's giving me favor right now. The thing is, it sounds foolish. Hallelujah is a, is a foolish, a simpleton's way of dealing with the problems of life. But there's a simpleness and a foolishness of the cross, right? That we're supposed to walk in that every day. So when your life is crumbling about you, when it looks like all your friends have stacked wood around you and somebody's going to start a fire, that's when you sing Hallelujah. That's when you say, but God's love endures forever. It's ha- something's ha- this, is, this is being good for me. This is bad. This is horrible. This is wicked. But, but, but God, but God is doing something in me. He's purifying me. He's strengthening me. He's clarifying my vision. He's taking some, something out of my hands that can't withstand the flames. He's leaving all this gold. But we have a hard time recognizing gold. We have a hard time recognizing we love to build with straw and hay and stubble and things. And then we we want to keep all that together. So the problems and trials and tribulations, all those things are like, take whatever you want. And I'm not giving up an inch of my promised life. Don't get me wrong. I'm not giving up an inch of any of those. I'm not giving up any bushels of those really giant grapes of my promised life. I'm not giving up any of my manna. I'm not giving up any of my quail. I'm not giving up any of my provision that God's given to me. I'm not, I'm going to set my life up so the enemy can't steal it. But when it does start happening, because it will happen, I'm going to learn to fight by singing a hallelujah and being thankful in advance. Now, I don't mean just, just let your, let the, let the rats get at your grain sacks and eat up your provision. I don't mean that and go, Oh, hallelujah. I don't have any money. Hallelujah. 
I mean, in this right way. And only a madman would begin celebrating in the middle of a fire pit, right? Only a madman. And you've heard some. I mean, if you've ever heard a guy that's like doing a life sentence in prison and he gets radically saved, Jesus literally seems to visit him in his cell. And you hear him five and ten years later. And he's so grateful. And he's still in prison. But he's not in prison any longer. The very thing that he did that was horrible towards someone. His total brutality that he's received in his life and that he's given out. Has come to nothing because it brought him to Jesus. And we can have that same passion. That same way. We can be those madmen who when tied to a stake ready to be burned, somebody's flicking a match, we're that madman who sings hallelujah in the middle of all that. And that crazy, see, what we, what we don't want to do, this is a problem we have with being charismatic or spirit-filled or believing in demons or believing in tongues or believing in healing or anything like that, or believing that we can worship and the presence of God comes in, right? We struggle with that a lot in conversation because, but the thing is, is that's the right kind of crazy, the wrong kind of crazy is being depressed, is being full of anxiety, of not being able to walk out of your house, of being afraid of everything and everybody, of being afraid of what's going on in the world, of being afraid of a hurricane. That's the wrong kind of crazy. The right kind of crazy is when I walk into the room, I carry a glory bubble. Something changes when I'm in the room. It can't help but change. That's where we put our belief instead of over here that our politicians can make me feel bad. Our politicians can make me feel afraid. Our pop culture fi- fi- figures tell me if the, earth, if, the, if the United States of America is going in the right direction or not. Transgender, transgenderism doesn't inform me about what God's doing in the world. God informs me about what he's doing in the world with sexual identity. So I don't proclaim, I don't, I don't focus on transgenderism, homosexual agenda, whatever. I proclaim this over here. It's completely different. There's a different sound that comes forth into us. All right, last scripture. I'm going to close on this. Psalm 100. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. Think about that. How do you enter into the presence of God? You don't beg that he's there. You don't even pray that he's there. You enter in with confidence and praise. You hallelujah your way into the presence of God. So if you feel closed off from God, you begin to praise. You begin to speak hallelujah. You might need to start speaking in tongues to clear, to clear your brain that's blocking you. You might need to dance. You really might. That, that's, I hope I never get videotaped dancing in my house. You might need to turn up that. You might need. I've turned up that song and other songs, and I've played them for 15 and 20 minutes. I've repeated the words over and over and over again. Because what happens, it takes your brain out of this mess over here. It circumvents something, and your spirit begins to rise up. doesn't always work, but it works more and more as I put it into practice. We all have the practice of worry, right? We all have the practice of reading the news and going, oh, my, and talking about the news. Very few of us have the practice of entering into his presence, but we all can do that. It's a super simple tool, and everybody with a smartphone or with YouTube or smart TV can enter into his presence with some help and some assistance. So you think about that. I enter into his presence with praise. Whose presence do I enter into when I'm complaining? What door? I heard, this, I heard, I heard something similar to this by, with Bill Johnson. 
What door, if I enter into his presence with praise, whose presence do I enter into when I, when I grumble and complain? Isn't that amazing? What door? So let's go to this next verse. Psalm 22, 3. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of your people. So when we begin to worship, you can take these scriptures together into this gate. A gate is a door. What door do we open when we grumble and complain? When we're going over here, and we're, we're, we're condemning the world and we're talking about the world. And we don't call it worry. We call it wisdom. I'm just repeating what I heard. I'm just saying what's true. But it's not what's true of the kingdom. I'm receiving a kingdom over here. Over here, I'm opening all sorts of doors to wicked things. I'm opening lots of doors for things to come into my life. And I enter into a presence that I don't want to be around that presence. It says here in Psalms 22, 3, you are holy enthroned on the praises of your people. So over here, you're praising God, and he's already on the throne, but he might not be on your throne in this area, the throne of your life, the throne of your thoughts, the throne of your emotions, the throne of your will, of your soul. When we begin to praise him, he comes in and he throns himself and begins to rule appropriately over us. So if you're over here and you're grumbling and complaining and being negative, who's, who are you enthroning upon the throne of your soul? Got to think, I mean, these things are like really, like somebody is empowered by your criticism. Somebody's empowered by your praise. All right? So as Christians, we walk in an extreme positivity. We walk in extreme positivity, not based on what we can see, not based on what we hear, not based on what we feel, but based on what the king is saying about the kingdom that we're receiving. All right, go ahead and stand up. I'm going to close right here. I want to encourage you, if you, have, if you didn't get prayer for healing and you need prayer, we'll pray for you. Remember as you leave, as you leave and you all this week, pray for people that are here. Pray for this next Sunday. Pray for words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic words. If you're praying for somebody and an image comes up, I shared, I shared the image of a giant I had sitting next, behind this young man. And I got like six or seven pages of a prophetic word, the longest one I've ever had. Because all I did was see that picture and ask God about it. And it just, it's, it's like, it's like streamed to me from heaven. And it's, it's for all of us. It's for every one of us. Okay, so bow your heads. So, Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have set up a government that we're invited into, a family that we're invited into. With principles and rules and regulations that are so simple. They seem foolish, so simple to enter in, so simple to fight. But we work things around so it's so difficult. So we, I just ask you that, that we as a church and our worship and praise in Sunday mornings, we learn to celebrate and to praise in advance. We learn to shine light in advance. But in our own lives, in our relationships, in our health, in our finances, when we think of the world, that we learn to hallelujah in advance, that we become radical, passionate worshipers of you radical passionate people of praise declaring the good news of the kingdom of heaven to everywhere we go and we thank you in advance for the healings the salvations the deliverances and the signs and wonders that come through our declaration that the kingdom of heaven is here now we thank you for that and each one of us right now every person in here right now is that is this thinking that's not me i'm afraid of that Bring healing in that area. Bring maturity in that area. Bring daughterhood and sonship into those areas. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. We thank you in advance for a great, 
a great holiday season. We thank you in advance for a great year next year. We thank you in advance for a great decade that starts January 1st, 2020. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you all.